Hello, I am Gene Harmon, and you are listening to the Inheriting Heritage Podcast. Human fascination with, with the heavens, the skies, it goes back thousands of years. Religious ties, references to the wonders of the sky, exist in ancient civilizations around the world. Construction of temples and other structures were designed to align, to line up with positions of the moon and sun at specific times throughout the year, uh, seasonal occasions, things that uh, religious festivals and celebrations were centered around. And you can still witness this in locations around the world. They still work. Over time, this fascination and reverence transformed into a need to understand what's up there, what's in the sky. Why does it move the way it does? Downplaying, and this downplay the fear of the unknown objects in the sky, giving meaning to their existence. Men like Ptolemy, Copernicus, uh, Galileo, and, and Newton turned this interest into the discipline of astronomy. Their theories formed the foundation for what we know of our universe now and, and paved the way for this new science. It had a lot of space to grow. Uh, this desi desire to learn about what space was like, to know what was out there, it drove the development of space programs, culminating here in America with the Apollo 11 mission. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon. The space program and NASA it, it continued to expand and develop new methods of space travel. I remember the excitement of the space shuttle program and the introduction of the International Space Station, bringing us closer in our minds to communities living on the moon in the manner of uh, the, the old show Space 1999. I also remember the tragedy of the Challenger disaster. It was actually the first shuttle launch I had the opportunity to watch on TV. One of those moments you never forget. A few years later, I was able to see one live while on vacation in Florida. Though miles across the bay, there was no mistaking the launch. The huge cloud of smoke generated at ground level, then the streak of fire behind the rockets as it lifted in slow motion, you know, from where we were, slow motion before gaining speed into the sky, becoming a, a smaller and smaller speck until no longer visible to the naked eye. Accepting a few, this type of experience is all we will ever have regarding the universe around us and what may lay beyond. You can go to observatories and look through the telescopes and, and, and look into to space that way, but it's not something that is really done on a regular basis by most people. Uh, photographs from these high-powered telescopes also give us a peek into the colorful galaxies and, and nebulas that exist out there. It's still fascinating, but what else is there? I mean, there are a lot of stars up there, but what could they possibly mean to the vast majority of people in the world? I had a small telescope growing up and spent a lot of time gazing at the night sky, searching the skies for UFOs or checking out this star or that star. Growing up in a suburb of Atlanta, the number of stars visible was only a handful, not to mention all the huge hardwoods which blocked the view. I do remember though seeing Comet Kahootek in 1973. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was visible for a couple of nights. However, the first time I remember looking up in the nighttime sky from deep within the Smoky Mountains, I was in awe. Thousands of stars lit up the sky, and you'd actually see the Milky Way. 
It was clearly visible. I thought I was watching a Nova special on TV. But if that wasn't breathtaking enough, I was reminded of it during the summer of 2013 while working in Denali. Yes, for most of the summer, it never got completely dark. But toward the latter part, it did. And wow, it was amazing. How many times have you just stood there or, or sat you know, on the grass or in a chair gazing at the sky, wondering or maybe thinking of someone you had not seen in a while? Now, nowadays we have modern technology, uh, text messages and video calls. And always, you know, that's one good thing technology has given us, the ability to keep in touch with people that are a long way away. But these are recent luxuries. It used to be only phone calls and letters. And before that, only letters. The sky is a connection. That moon, those stars, the constellations are visible around the world when the sun goes down. They may have a different configuration or, or move in a slightly different path depending on the, the geographical location on Earth or, or the, uh, the season of the year, but they're still the same stars, the same moon, the same planets. Too bright to look at, the sun is also the same sun which rises as daylight shows up around the world. Next time you stargaze, think about that. That Big Dipper or the moon, or Orion, or the Seven Sisters, they're the same ones your loved ones see in the night sky above them. They can look at the same sky you are, see the same things you can see, whether just across the country or around the world. With the military deployed in faraway places, this is also a small way to think of being closer to them. Now let's think about this a little deeper. What about our past and beliefs regarding the mysteries of the sky? It takes a lot of research into a particular civilization to understand their different religions and rituals, or why they built temples in relation to a particular heavenly body over another and its position in the sky. I'm not going to try to get that detailed, but let's simplify where I'm going with this. As an interpreter, I am always looking for ways to connect people to our shared natural, cultural, and historical roots. It is a challenge at times when landscapes change. Cultures, they no longer exist, or history is viewed as something only in the past. Viewing our world as it was seen 100 years ago or several thousand years ago is pretty much not a possibility because finding an area untouched or and untrammeled by human intrusion and influence, especially the modern human. It's, it's almost non-existent. But one thing that remains completely unchanged, what is that one thing? It's the sky and what's in it. It's the same as when the dinosaurs walked. It's the same sky as in biblical times. It's the same sky as when the pyramids were built or the the Mayan and Aztecs flourished. It's the same sky above this continent when France and England were struggling over control of it. It's the same sky as when two world wars raged. The wonders of the sky are one of the biggest connections we have with those who lived before us. And it's pretty humbling. 
think about these few examples. Next time you, you look up, it's the same moon the pharaohs gazed at, the same sun they worshipped. The sky is the same sky Jesus and his disciples saw at night. The same sky Romans looked upon. The sky is the same sky soldiers at war have looked up at, dreaming of their return home, whether we're talking about an ancient warrior or somebody over in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's the same sky indigenous tribes on every continent have included in their lives before modern encroachment. It's the same sky which shone above the North Atlantic that the night Titanic survivors shivered in the cold trying to survive. It's the same stars that shone as beacons of hope above the Nazi concentration camps. The same stars guided ships across the oceans long before modern GPS systems. The examples are endless. But the thing to remember is that regardless of the era, or historical figure. Connect with them, or even one of your own ancestors. Connect with them by knowing they've seen the same moon and stars that you see now. It is an unchanged landscape and will always remain as a single, one single untouched bridge between the past and you, lit brightly by the stars. Inheriting Heritage provides interpretive consulting, interpretive training, and heritage interpretive programs. The programs are done in more of an interactive style instead of straight dissemination of information. Consulting ranges from fine-tuning existing programs to development of new ones. It is not era or subject specific, but geared toward the process of interpretation and how it can best be utilized at your site to engage guests. Interpretive training is based on Freeman Tilden's founding principles of interpretation and styled after the methods of the National Association for Interpretation. I have also been approached by members of the sales and marketing fields who are interested in adapting my training to improve the effectiveness of their respective staff. Qualified as a certified interpretive guide with the National Association for Interpretation, Inheriting Heritage LLC has developed and implemented interpretive programs at state parks, national parks, historic sites, and museums. Before I go, I would like to send a huge shout out and thank you to my wife, Amy. She has been a constant source of encouragement, pushing me to chase my dreams, and provided invaluable input. This podcast and my interpretive endeavors would not be possible without her support. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will listen next time to the Inheriting Heritage podcast. This podcast was written and produced by me, Gene Harmon, manager of Inheriting Heritage, LLC. The music playing in the background is Wild Dew by Audio Result. The opening and closing music is Cantina Rag by Jackson F. Smith. If you have any questions or want to know more, please visit my website at inheritingheritage.com. Whether it is the natural world, our cultural world, or our historic past. It is a heritage which belongs to all of us, a heritage we have inherited together.